2: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is
0: brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau
2: and 670 the Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, my friends, to a. Nice, calm, relaxing off-season edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Nouveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only Jay zawaski of 670 The Score. Jay, the last several times it feels like we've gotten together to do one of these podcasts, we've been discussing a breaking trade or a move of some sort, and this time, it's just kind of a relaxing one. We had Blackhawks convention over the weekend. No major moves were announced. I feel like we're we're kind of at the chill point of the off season,
3: don't you think? Yeah, it still feels like something might happen. I don't know what it might be, but I don't know this. We'll get into it. But the the Brendan the Perlini thing is still hanging over my head. And Stan Bowman didn't do much to alleviate that that cloud. I mean, he was flat out asked like any update on his contract. Nope, no update. And that was it. <laughs> like it wasn't yeah, he
2: Kai he did kibosh that really fast.
3: Yeah, like there I don't know. I, I I reported, you know, a month ago that they've been looking to move him and maybe they're st- maybe they're still thinking about it. I don't know. Um but went to the convention Friday and Saturday. Friday went to the media social and I got to talk to Drake Kajula and Calvin DeHaan and Brandon Sod and Connor Murphy and the second half of this podcast will be me bringing you those interviews they're really good hawks are very generous with their time um for good guys you know guys that are easy to root for kajula and dahan especially were really engaging and really into it so uh that was cool i was happy to get to do that and then saturday we took Addie uh to the convention and um just did a couple of the things like we walked around a little bit then she went in there for like the second half of the kids press conference and then there was a family feud game and we'll talk about that a little bit. But it was like Blackhawks alumni versus current players. And then the winner of that game played like a family that was chosen at random to compete. It was it was a lot of fun. But the one thing that I gleaned from this weekend, if there's one thing I'm taking away, it's that Alex Debrinkit is the least interesting hockey player in the world.
2: That, I don't know. That's quite a stretch to <laughs> say know. that, man. There's some pretty uninteresting guys.
3: Dude, these kids were asking him you you've seen this on if you've never been to one of these kids only press conferences you've seen them or you've seen the highlights um my name's tommy and i'm from bourbon Am eh? and my questions for alex to Brincat? uh what's your what's your number 12 why do you wear that Oh, uh, you know i don't know it was just sort of a sign to me it doesn't really mean much to me uh my name's <laughs> my name's betty what's your favorite song Oh, I don't really listen to I don't really care about music. I just listen to what's ever on in the locker room. Have a thought. <laughs> My God. Like, dude, you want to be a star. He's a star hockey player. He's a 40-goal scorer, good-looking kid, electrifying, great talent. He's just hockey. That's it. <laughs> that is all Alex DeBrincki is, is hockey. And that's great because he's really, really good at it. But my God, he was giving these kids nothing, nothing. And there were so many times that we've had to try. We've tried to have him on the score. And I'm like, all right, you know, up and comer. I know he's young. Maybe the interview will be good. No, it's just there's nothing there for him. And I guess it is a criticism. But I'm just saying, like, that dude is all about hockey. Nothing else matters. And that's probably a good thing, considering how important he is to the organization.
2: Well, I mean, that sounds like another certain Blackhawk for the first probably six or so years of his career. Who could I possibly <laughs> be thinking of?
3: Uh, Johnny Toes.
2: That would be him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just very, very dead set on hockey and there's nothing wrong with that, but you do kind of want him to show a little bit of personality. And at least in Taves, case, he has started to over the last few years, especially, I feel like he's really kind of grown more comfortable with himself just as a person in general you know like i i think that that's something we've seen a maturation on the part of a jonathan tabes and maybe we're still a few years away from that with alex de but really out of everything that happened this weekend that's your big <laughs> takeaway is that alex de is boring okay that's my
3: that's my personal <laughs> takeaway okay the other big takeaway i have is everyone is very happy to see andrew shaw like yes from, from, oh
2: god yes
3: from players from the coaches that know him, not coaches, but like people in the organization that know him to teammates. Like everyone's really happy. Andrew Shaw's back. And, you know, it's understandable. Like this stuff matters. It's not just, you know, I know I work for Dan Bernstein, but like personality matters and chemistry matters and bringing in a guy like him and a guy like Calvin DeHaan, who you're going to hear from later in the podcast and Zach Smith, these character guys, that are good for that stuff, it does matter. It does matter. You look at those teams that won the Cups, the Dave Bolins and, uh, you know, uh, uh, like Troy Brower, those guys, they weren't the most talented guys in the world, but they all together made a unit that was cohesive and had chemistry. And I think that's something this team has missed since Andrew Shaw's left. He was sort of, like you said, like Taves is kind of a quiet guy. Kane is not the most outspoken guy in the world. They need a guy who can be a catalyst, an emotional leader, in the locker room and Andrew Shaw was that. And and I think everybody to a man is glad he's back.
2: Well, I mean, we've talked a lot on this podcast about the human element kind of being lost sometimes in the focus, the hyper focus on the analytical side of things like the courses and all that. And that stuff we, we, you and I recognize
4: mm-hmm.
2: is very important, but the human element does kind of get lost in that sometimes. And we talk about the impact that, you know, these guys, you know, the, The situations on the ice not only have on them, but what it brings out in them. And I think Andrew Shaw is definitely a guy that wears his heart on his sleeve, both on the ice and off. And that, like you said, is not something the Blackhawks have a whole lot of. And yes, it can be to the detriment of the team at times if you commit a dumb penalty or you get in a fight when you shouldn't or whatever. But at the same time, it does kind of, it can motivate you. It can be a good thing. It's not a black and white issue where it's always good or it's always bad, but they certainly have not really had that element since Andrew Shaw left. And like you said, it just, it seemed to really, kind of like brighten everybody up a little bit to have him back around the guys on this team and you know that may not translate into much of an impact on the standings or whatever but at the very least I do think it improves team morale a little bit
3: yeah and that's that's a good thing that you know it it, that's it does matter it truly does matter and I think there's something to be said for swagger and Patrick Kane has it because he's so great He's just so much better than everybody that he has a natural swagger about him. Uh, But, you know, to have a guy that's a little bit chirpy and a little bit mouthy on the ice, that that stuff can help. It takes pressure off people to have a laugh during a tense moment. I remember when I was growing up playing sports, and I'm not going to go Uncle Rico on you here, but I've been part of a lot of teams. And to have that guy or a couple guys on the team that can sort of break the tension, that can say something funny or do something to just sort of break up the monotony those guys are are very valuable and and those little over the course of 82 games and hopefully you know an extended playoff run you need that you need that levity sometimes to, to 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 break up the monotony and to break up when things are getting stressful or things are not going well you want someone to be there to sort of steer it back to fun or steer it back to whatever. And in the same way on the ice, if you're having a guy, a game that's a little bit slow or you get off to a slow start, you want to have that guy that can be a spark plug and you can put him on the ice and he can go out and hit a couple people and maybe put a puck in the back of the net and change the game with that sort of energy. And Andrew Shaw's the kind of guy that provides both of those things. So when you look at it on paper and on the Corsi and in the stat book and all that stuff, maybe it doesn't seem that important, but the way that these players talked about Andrew Shaw And the way they smile when his name comes up, I'm telling you it matters. It absolutely matters.
2: Sure seems like the fans kind of feel that way too. And I know that obviously that's not ultimately important in the grand scheme of things of what goes on on the ice, but – It definitely was noticeable in the crowds that were at Blackhawks convention this weekend. I know that when Brandon Sod and Patrick Sharp both came back, I know there was a little bit of buzz. I think the buzz might be a little bit more intense with uh, this with Andrew Shaw coming back. Mm -hmm. It just you really get the sense that he is a fan favorite in town. And, you know, fortunately for us as hockey analysts, he also does have some of that hockey skill to back up that hype
3: for sure. Well, and I think the difference, too, with him and Sharp was. Everybody kind of realized Sharp was at the end. It was just kind of a nostalgia, like, hey, we need a cheap guy that can maybe give us some offense, and he fit that bill. But I think everyone knew that to expect too much out of Patrick Sharp was probably foolish. Shaw's a guy who just coming off a career year despite having some injuries. Like He's at his prime now, uh, and and I think that's what makes this one different. A lot of people have poo-pooed, like, oh, you know, they're always bringing guys back. Yeah, but you know, when they brought back Saad and they brought back Shaw, the Saad thing hasn't worked out the way people thought it would, but they're looking to do they're looking to bring guys back that are going to help them hockey-wise, not just PR-wise. And I think when you looked at Sharp and then the second coming of Campbell and some of the other things, eh, you knew they were just kind of cheap answers with familiar faces. This is different. These are Andrew Shaw is the kind of guy who is going to make this team better.
2: Well, realistically, Brandon Saad should have made the team better, too, well, but I that obviously does. didn't work out.
3: Well, I think he does make the team better, not better than Panarin, but he's still a very good player and he can play even strength, penalty kill, power play and be effective in all. He's not the megastar that our Temi Panarin's turned out to be. But I mean, if you look at things right now, they'd be without Panarin anyway. Right. There's no right. way they'd be able to sign him for what the Rangers did and you still have sod so you know it's we've we've talked this deal to death but um i don't know i'm excited about the andrew shaw thing just to see the way the players talk about him that really shined a light for me and i've seen it before like in select moments but to see almost everybody was asked about it and as soon as his name was mentioned their eyes would light up and they would smile and that's yeah there's something to that i really think there is
2: Speaking of eyes lighting up and kind of uh, somebody who had a lot of the players and coaches talking this weekend, and that was Kirby Doc yes. who – third overall pick in the draft. Realistically, you've got to think that he's at least a contender for a roster spot coming out of training camp. A lot of guys had a lot of really positive things to say about Kirby doc after his you know, selection and after his performance in the prospect camp, pretty clear that he's going to come in with the mindset to, you know, make this team out of camp. And a lot of guys are really impressed with the way he's prepared himself, not only mentally, but physically as well. Jonathan Taves, uh, Called him very mature for his age. He's a smart kid. Uh, I love this quote from him. You and I talked about it in the uh, kind of pre-podcast chat session. Was I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm not trying to add any pressure on him, but I get the feeling he's got that mindset that he's going to come in and not move over, not get out of the way for anybody, and he's going to want to make our team right off the hop. Yeah, those are. Those are strong words coming from Jonathan Taves, who, as we all know, can be kind of a reserved guy. He's not, you know, prone to being overly effusive in praise of anybody. But Jonathan Taves definitely sees something in Kirby Doc that he likes. And when you look at uh, Kirby Doc's, uh, his strength on the ice and his hands and his skill set, the intelligence, it all seems like it's there. And the players definitely see it and recognize it and are saying pretty much what we've been saying, that he's got a decent chance to make this team. Right out of training camp.
3: Well, when you look at the skill set, and that was, you know, even going into the draft, he was a guy that sort of projected as a, as a guy who might potentially be NHL ready. You know, everyone knows Hughes and Kako are going to be there from day one for the uh, Devils and Rangers. And then the, the other thought was that Bowen Byron would be the most ready for Colorado. But Doc, a lot of people, especially like right during the draft and right after, said, you know, this kid might not be that far away. And, and I know. It's tough to look at prospects camp and say, wow, this guy really is terrific. I mean, look at Alex 14 is the epitome of that. That dude's still like, he is the best player on the ice. He's going to be a stud. Yeah, but when he's pressured, he can't handle the puck. And those are the things you don't see at prospects camp. But what I saw from Kirby Doc, it wasn't just like he wasn't blowing people away with speed, but up close in tight, his hands were some of the best I've seen.
2: He's really good at protecting the puck, too, and that's definitely something you have to learn as the competition kind of ratchets up. You really do have to know how to protect the puck. You can't just use the fact that you're taller and bigger than everybody to your advantage at the NHL level. And I think it takes a certain amount of intelligence to do, and I, I get the sense that he has that intelligence to do it.
3: Here's a homework assignment for us. We Try to find guys comparable to Doc that made the jump right away. Right mm. i so look at the age, look at the size, and I wonder maybe you wouldn't say like drafted exactly where he was, but there's gotta be a there's gotta be a precedent for this there's gotta be because with his body type, I'm not worried about the n h l toll you know it's one thing if it's someone like therinkkett size by the way, one thing I did learn about Alex derinkkett is he wears a size six and a half skate,
2: no way,
3: yes, he said it. He said he said I wear size six and a half skates. But that's insane. I know dude. that's like a child. Anyway, Doc if you plug him in at third line center, is there anything about the NHL game you think is really gonna be overwhelming for him?
2: I I do think like
3: if you protect him, and this is and this is for every him,
2: this is for every player, I think. Yeah. There is kind of an adjustment to be made that lines one through four, your opponents, are all pretty darn good like there are maybe lines that you can get catch a little bit of a break against at the junior level but at the pro level there is no such break that you get maybe that's an adjustment but at the same time you know there are guys who just kind of relish the you know the relish the fun of a challenge and. You know, judging by how well Kirby Doc kind of plays in those types of situations and how he really seems capable of kind of keeping his head even when he's under pressure, maybe he thrives in situations like that.
3: Yeah, and you mentioned Jonathan Taves using the word maturity. Um, I've been around Kirby Doc a handful of times since he's been drafted, and I very much get that vibe. There's no deer in headlights to Kirby Doc. He's confident, not cocky, but he knows he belongs. He knows he's good. Um you can even see like, on the ice at prospects camp how he was confident and laughing and not nervous and not overwhelmed by the moment or the opportunity. The kid knows he's good at hockey, and he knows that he's got a good shot of making this team. And, And look, I obviously all of us want him to make it. I can't wait for the preseason. This, to me, is going to be one of the most interesting preseasons in years because I think there's yeah. so many guys that are – knocking on the door for spots. And that's one thing I brought up to Drake Kajula when I talked to him. I said, Look, you're you know, Bowman and Cowton have mentioned that top line left wing spot and it was his for a long time, and maybe now with a full year under his belt or a full camp under his belt, he'll be ready to take it. However, there's a lot more competition for it too. So I don't know. It's I think this camp is going to be fascinating. Cause you look at Kajula, you look at Kubelik, you look at Sakura. Um, all these guys who are kind of, you know, fringe guys, they were everyday players last year because they mm-hmm. needed to be like the this is a good good example. The NHL 20 is coming out in September, but right now they have it like in a beta test so you can play it if you want to for a couple more days. And how is
2: it, Jay? I'm sure you've spent hours and hours playing. I have.
3: It's it's improved. Of course, it's a beta. So there's some obvious like major flaws that they'll work out but the gameplay itself is better but I'm stuck with last year's Hawks so no Mata no Dahan we forgot Chris Kunitz (laughs) and Slater Cuckoo and Carl Dahlstrom and like these are all guys that played major time for the Hawks last year played serious
2: roles for this team yes
3: they're not going to be part of things this year it's gonna instead it's going to be Zach Smith, who's a proven NHL player, Andrew Shaw, Calvin Dahan. I know everyone wants to crap on Oli Mata, but I'll take him over Slater Cuckoo three hundred and sixty-five days a year. I, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's just I, it, they're just a better team. Next year is a team. leap year,
2: by the way. So you have to have that extra day. I will.
3: I'm gonna. I I don't know. I, I maybe I'm just in the off season and I'm feeling more optimistic than I should. But this team missed the playoff by six points. That's switching coaches in midstream and giving major minutes to Slater effing cuckoo.
2: Out of necessity, not out of some misguided notion that he was really good at hockey, by the way. Correct.
3: <laughs>
2: and Cam Ward and Gopher. I agree with you on that front, though. And I think it's something, obviously, we're going to talk a lot as training camp comes up. We're going to talk a lot about this. I, do, I still obviously think there are plenty of flaws in this team. There's flaws Absolutely. in every team, frankly. Yes. But... I think there's a little bit more of a reason for optimism this season than there was last season. Like I'm not going to pretend that two years ago, like I knew everything was just going to kind of fall apart and they weren't going to make the playoffs. Like last year though, you kind of knew you knew that this group was had some pretty fatal flaws to it. And ultimately, like you said, They only missed the playoffs by six points, despite all of that. So I think with Jeremy Colladin coming into his first full year and having a training camp to kind of implement his system, which, by the way, he did talk about on Friday. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that, you know, he addressed it and he seemed very confident that he'd be able to get everything implemented the way that he wants it to right off the bat. And they wouldn't have that kind of slow pace, like development of the system that led to a bunch of losses in a row last year, having that advantage and then having the fact that they have so many home games baked into the early part of their schedule, which is also something several of the guys kind of discussed, including Colleton and Taves. I think that those things are really going to work to the Blackhawks advantage, especially if they have a guy like Kirby Doc make the team out of training camp. It's going to really allow them to kind of set their focus and vision for the year. And I think that ultimately it could play to their benefit as we move from October and beyond.
3: Well, in the Brandon Sod interview that you're going to hear uh, next segment, he does sort of allude to the difficulty in changing on the fly midseason. And the question I asked him was, was it hard for veteran players like you to sort of accept Jeremy Cowden as your coach was it difficult with Q leaving to welcome in a guy who was just an experienced and no it wasn't about not trusting Colleton or Cowden not earning our benefit of the doubt it was more about we've been playing this system for so long to have to learn it mid-season is almost impossible and he said like fi- like what you could see the improvement when we finally started catching on as the year went on, but it was difficult early on. Connor Murphy alludes to it too. Like that is a tough, tough thing to do. Uh, and now, you know, the, the, the confidence accountant speaks with, and I like his coaching staff. Uh, Mark Crawford was around hanging out at the media social, just talking everybody's ear off. Another guy, by the way, another thing I learned, Jimmy Waite, uh, really a good talker. The Blackhawks goalie coach was talking about Crawford, and one of the questions that was asked of him was, like, did Corey ever really consider retirement? Was it something that he had considered? he said, you know, that's really like more of a media creation than anything. He ne- That's really never been on his mind. It's something that's never crossed his mind. You and I can discuss maybe it should have been. That's a conversation mm. for another day. But, but, he-
2: again, but to, to reiterate what we have said before, ultimately it was completely up to him. Yeah. We just wanted him to do what was best for him both as a hockey player and especially as a person
3: right uh but and then Wait kind of went on to say like look that concussion he got at the hands of Evander Kane against San Jose it's like any goalie would have gotten a concussion from that it wasn't just he went down hard and was hit hard and it was a concussive hit so he said like don't really read into the fact that oh he got another concussion he's like anyone in that situation with that impact would have had the same result so anyway I just thought it was interesting like he's fully on like Crawford's ready. Leonard is obviously ready, and you mentioned the the home schedule. You're starting the season with a health, healthy Crawford, he- healthy Leonard, Le- not Leonard, Leonard.
2: Please, and, please get that right before the season yeah, starts.
3: In a big home schedule ahead of you, starts matter. And if they get off to a hot start, th- I mean, that's that they could. I'm not going to say they're going to coast, but if they can take <laughs> advantage of all those things. They'll be in really good shape for the rest of the year. Because a slow start can kill you. But a fast start can sustain you for a while.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's the same mantra in every sport is you can't win the division the first month of the season, but you can sure as hell lose it. Yeah. That's I mean, obviously that's entirely possible with this squad. By the way, I did want to mention before we kinda get into our first break and then into the interviews that I'm sure everybody's kinda wanting to hear, I do want to point out that you doing those interviews on Friday, um, mm-hmm. it wasn't that I was lazy and just was like, you know what, Jay can handle this, whatever. I We've been a little bit short-staffed at NBC, had to work that day, wasn't able to make it out to the social, really bummed out. I've been out there the last five years. It was always really great. Loved the content I was able to produce from there. The last five years, I will be back next year. This year just didn't work out, and I'm really bummed because Jay got some really great conversations, and I would have loved to have been part of that, so Jay... I'm here to express my jealousy that you got to
3: do that. <laughs> well, I think everybody knows that, that it's not just like me strong arming the podcast or you being lazy. I think people know that, but I'm glad you said it because I just assumed everybody knew that, but maybe not. By the way, I don't
2: assume people know anything.
3: Okay, well, that's a good assumption. Uh, by the <laughs> way, we have not mentioned our sponsor, Triple Threat Sports. You want to order yourself a number 77 Kirby Doc jersey. You want to order yourself a number 65 Andrew Shaw jersey. Hit up our friend Chris at Triple Threat Sports, triplethreatsports.com, 708-478-6090. But not only can they make custom NHL jerseys for you, if you've got a team, you've got an organization that needs outfitting or just T-shirts for your office, whatever, Triple Threat Sports can get it done. So hit them up, triplethreatsports.com, 708-478-6090. Or email Chris. Chris at triple triple threat sports. If you can wear it, they can make it by the way. One thing I did learn another thing I learned at the convention, and then we'll take a break and then bring it back for our interview segment. Um, I think the Hawks are getting new jerseys next year because. Okay. Ev- wait, wait,
2: do you mean this coming season? This, I think
3: this coming season are getting the tweaked jerseys. Yes.
2: Okay. I'll go ahead and let you uh, say this. And then I do have a question about that. Okay.
3: Okay. So for the last six months, uh what is it called? The Blackhawk store used to be Hawk Quarters. It is been, Blackhawk
2: store, yes. They've
3: been selling their Adidas jerseys, the Pollyanna Cowers that we all know and love, for like fifty percent off. Mm. This this weekend at the convention. You can go in there and get a numbered I think I'm right on this, a numbered authentic Adidas jersey for seventy five bucks. Those are typically like three hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's rumors that they tweaked the collar a little bit because no one's buying it because it's ugly as hell. I th- I would not be surprised if they have brand not brand new, but if they t- tweak that collar for the upcoming season because people just aren't buying Hawks jerseys anymore because they look like crap.
2: It's not because they cost too much.
3: No, they've always costed a lot. That's true. I don't think they're like I don't think these replicas are any more or these authentics are any more than what they were when they were Coho or CCM or Nike Mm -hmm. or whatever, or Reebok most recently. I don't think they're any more expensive. They're just ugly and people aren't buying them. Like, I was at the convention. I saw very few people wearing those, you know, the the Adidas jersey. Yeah. Those collars are atrocious. You're absolutely right about that. They're horrific. And Adidas is like, if you want to talk about the Q rating of the brand – Adidas is probably the highest Q rating for the general public of all the companies that have produced jerseys for the NHL in the last hundred years. Yeah. So it's not like people, well, I don't like Adidas. Everybody likes Adidas. Everybody wants to wear that. It's a cool mm-hmm. logo. It's a good brand. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if by uh, the preseason, there are new tweaked uh, Blackhawks jerseys. So keep your eye are on Are you
2: that. surprised they did not unveil a new jersey design at the convention?
3: I wonder how much uh i wonder how much say they have in that Mm, you know what i mean fair point yeah i wonder if they have much say in the production and timing
2: and whatnot or do you think maybe they're holding off until like the beginning of september when they get into training camp and then they can have like some type of event with the players involved in it yeah
3: probably you know they're always looking for that next headline and next big story so that that and as they
2: should as they should yeah that's obviously you know their prerogative as a franchise they need to do that i did have one other question about the convention and it was a press release that came out on the first day of the convention what do you think of the big time celebration of the 10th anniversary of their stanley cup in 2010
3: what i thought about it's a
2: little bit early for that or do you think that it's uh appropriate i guess you could say
3: it's the it is the 10th anniversary of that season which was Like crushing to me (laughs) like oh my god yeah i know right i'm like is that right oh my god that's right it is the 10th anniversary of the season i think it was wise of them to call the attention to it because i didn't realize it because you're like they won in 2010 it's 2019 you're not making that connection Mm -hmm. but it is the 1920 season and the hawks won in the 09 10 season right so yeah and, and i guess the bobblehead they're giving out at training camp fest is uh patrick kane like celebrating that goal
2: yeah, celebrate is is it him jumping on Auntie Niemi? Because no, I feel like that's the iconic image.
3: It's him like pointing with two hands. Uh,
2: oh, okay. It's him like doing the point like when no one else realized the puck was in the net.
3: Right. <laughs> By the way, I thought this was interesting too at the convention. They had uh, employees walking around with handfuls of training camp festival tickets, and just saying Real. five bucks. Like, hand me five bucks, and you'll get your ticket. Hmm. They're just walking around selling them like scalpers.
2: I mean, they they sold it out last year, didn't they? I know.
3: I think I think people are getting excited. I really do. I, I I'll be surprised yeah. if it's not sold out this year.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I like I. I've never thought that attendance for that event has been an issue, and honestly, they do do a really good job of putting it on too. Like I can see why
3: it's really fun, and it's a place to like if you, you know, if you can't afford to go to take your family to a Hawks game during the year, which is totally understandable. And you have like littler children, they don't they don't know like they don't know the difference. Like yeah. there's the Hawks out there, it's got all the elements of a game, the horns, the music, the ice crew, like everything's going on. It's a great way to bring your small kids out there for the experience. And there's like live music, there's interactive games. It's really a good time. So yeah. I I I'll be there. I'm gonna go there. So.
2: Well, by that point, hopefully my work schedule will have calmed down and I'll be out there, too. Maybe we can, uh, I don't know, harass some listeners or something. That'd be fun. That would be
3: really fun. I like harassing people. All right. Done. Let's end this segment. James, you are free to go because the interview segment is next. And you were working diligently when I did these interviews. Not like you were slacking off at home, of course. Um, <laughs> so when we come back, you're going to hear from Drake Kajula, Calvin Dehan, Brandon Sod, and Connor Murphy. Of course, want to thank our friends at Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, head out there on Brett's Drive, have a uh, hexed, which is a blackberry apricot. Oh dear God! Have a dripping teat. Have yourself a hemogoblin. Any of the wonderful creations that Rabbit Brewing makes, go try them. Rabbitbrewing.com. Coming out, it is time for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland Legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. When we come back. You'll hear from four Blackhawks live, not live, recorded at the convention on Friday. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
2: At Acuity Insurance, we believe the things you do for your business are heroic, and you deserve someone equally heroic to protect them. We put our all into covering your business so you can focus on the things you love most. That's the power of heart. Acuity Insurance, wholeheartedly for you. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further.
3: Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you here. Thanks for listening to the first part of our podcast. Now I'm going to bring you four interviews I did with some Blackhawks players at the Blackhawks convention. Every year they have a media social on Friday afternoon and they bring the players into the room. And I found a couple guys who were sitting by themselves that had a few minutes to give. So I thought I would talk to them. First up will be Drake Kajula. Then we'll talk to Calvin DeHaan. Then it's Brandon Saad. And then last but not least, Connor Murphy started things off with drake kajula interesting during the interview he talks about a current blackhawk that he always modeled his game after be listening for that but the first question i asked him i said drake it's your first blackhawks convention what are you most excited for for this weekend uh,
1: i'm not really sure what all is involved in the weekend obviously i've gotten my schedule and i can see a little bit from there but uh, just from talking to the other players and uh, people in the organization it's always a great weekend there's a ton of fans that come out and it's a pretty special thing that not many teams do something like this and if teams do do something like this they don't get the same support that Chicago does so it's uh, it's a pretty cool thing to be a part of and uh, you know I'm happy to be here for my first convention well
3: this summer a lot of uh, roster turnover you got a bunch of new teammates to meet anyone in particular you have a relationship with already
1: or anyone you're looking forward to meeting uh, no, there's no one that I've uh, I've already known, but um, you know Andrew Shaw is one of those guys that you know we played similar styles of hockey, and um, you know growing up he was kind of a guy that I looked at to say okay maybe if he can do it I can do it, and try to model my game after him. And uh, you know the social media stuff about the two of us being like the two little bash brothers and all that sort of stuff kind of makes it fun. But uh, you know I'm excited to see uh, see what he does on the ice, and obviously meet and meet him, and, and obviously I get to know his personality as well because a lot of people say there's a lot of similarities, and um, you know I. Just, guess i want to see it for myself
3: well stan and jeremy have said before the season that that top left wing spot is open obviously it must be something that you're eyeing but at the same time there seems to be a bit more competition at forward this year um how do you see yourself entering training camp what's your mindset going into the new season with that in mind
1: yeah, I mean, uh, the, the mindset is to get back on that first uh, first line opportunity and first line spot. Um, you know, I thought in my time there last year, I, I made a, a good imprint and, and show what I was capable of doing in, in a small sample size. Obviously, um, you want to be there and, and be consistently there and be there for a long season or a full season and show what you're really capable of doing. But um, you know, obviously, the healthy competition is going to go a long way. It doesn't matter if you're fighting for first line or fourth line. That healthy competition is going to only you know push the team in the right direction, and um, that's what we want in the locker room. We want the guys to be pushing each other to get better every day. And um, my mindset doesn't change. I'm here to fight for that opportunity and fight for that job, just like everybody else is. And um, you know, you're going to see the competitive spirits uh, you know right away from training camp all the way throughout the year. I think.
3: It seems like every player answers this question differently, but. Does bouncing from line to line, how does that affect you? Would you rather be a guy who's established in one spot, or, or do you not have a problem with that movement?
1: Um. Yes and no. I mean, in Edmonton, I bounced around from line to line quite a bit, and sometimes it was hard to find chemistry just because one game you're playing with a guy that likes to play you no know, more of a straight line game, then the next game you're playing with someone who's playing a little more east west, and then all of a sudden you go back to a north south game, and um, you know, kind of, you know, it's hard to get into a groove and, and find that right chemistry. So. Um, Obviously, the goal is to, you know, solidify your spot into a a role that, you know, you can always call home and, um, you know, nothing's ever set in stone. You can get bounced around from spot to spot, but you want to have, you know, a place in the lineup where you can consider home and and that's where you feel comfortable and, um, you know, you play majority of your time in that situation. So, um, you know, obviously, I'd I'd like to find a home on a a single line. But um, as we all know, like throughout the year, things change and uh, positions change and lines change and um, all that sort of stuff as well.
3: When you came in last year, when you were acquired in the trade, that's when the team sort of started its ascent and started playing better. And the calendar year, it was a 100-point team. What was, from when, the day you arrived until maybe when the season ended, what do you think was the biggest change team-wise? What made it from, you know, a team in the first part of the season was really struggling to towards the end looked like a playoff team just falling a little bit short. What was the major, the major difference or two you saw in that time?
1: Uh, I think taking pride of you know playing in our own zone Um, I think uh, you know earlier in the year I can't really speak for that because I wasn't here but um, I know the team kind of spoke about how you know they're letting in a lot of goals and and if they did win a game they were trying to win 6-5 and um, it's hard to it's hard to win a lot of games like that you can't be giving up five goals and I think um, as the year went on and um, as my time went on here we we started to lock down our own zone and Um, you know we were capable of winning games two to one and and three to two and stuff like that rather than having these high scoring games and every now and then they happen that's just the way the league works but um, our commitment to team defense and just being smarter in our own zone taking care of pucks and you know understanding when to try and create offense and when to make the simple play I think that uh, really helped our team defense and um, you know we started to limit goals against and that allowed us to you know get more wins and push us closer to the playoffs you've played with
3: Connor mcdavid you've played with patrick kane on lines with both those guys what is it like to play with them and if you've got you know you're you're in overtime of game seven of the stanley cup final which guy do you want on the ice with you to get that winning goal
1: um well, i'll start with the first part of the question just playing with the two of them obviously it's uh it's a big honor they're obviously superstars in, in their own ways and just being able to be a you know a small contributor to to you know being on their line and helping them out and um it's a, it's it's a fun thing for me to do it's a it's a rewarding thing for me to do but at the end at the end of the day i get to help out them and, and try to reward them as well with my hard work and um you know it's fun to to be that contributor and be the engine of a of a line that you know pushes those guys to you know do their thing as well and um you know it's it's been a pleasure to be part of both teams and, and be able to watch them firsthand and be able to play on the same line with them at the same time and um to answer your second question I'm going to have to go with Kaner. Kaner's done it. He's been there. He's done it before. Um, they call him Showtime for a reason. Uh, nothing against Connor, but uh, you know Kaner, he's, he's gotten that Game 7 winning goal before, and um, he's got that clutch gene in him, and um, I'm sure Connor does too. It's going to come out at some point in his career, but right now i got to go with Kaner because he's been there and he's done it before.
3: You know, it's pretty rare that an NHL player will just flat out make a side, take a side and Kajula flat out did it he said I really got to give the edge to Patrick Kane because he's been there done that and I guess that's the right answer right I think if you had to say who is the better player right now Connor McDavid's the answer but my question was you know game seven game on the line who's the guy you want Drake Kajula went with Patrick Kane and it's really hard to argue with that that interview with Drake Kajula is brought to you by our friends at Marishka's family owned and operated since 1933 we thank them for their continued sponsorship go out there try the poor boy try the twice-baked potato, try the steaks, try the chops, try the seafood. The craft beer menu is outstanding. They, are, Like I said, they've been there since 1933, and it shows. It is a labor of love. The place is run by the Zadrolovich family with love, with care. You'll go there. You'll feel like part of the family. You will love every bite you take at marishka's So visit them, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Visit com or check them out on Facebook. That's Facebook.com slash Mariska's. M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So you've got some time to go visit our friends at Mariska's. Go check them out. Go tell them Madhouse Podcast sent you. Next up on our list of interviews, new Blackhawks defenseman Calvin DeHaan. Really great interview, very willing participant. Uh, I think he's going to be a big part of things this year, not only because he's one of the team's better defenders, but just – has the vibe of a good locker room guy, the sort of player that a lot of guys will get along with and a lot of guys will like having around. Later in the interview, I asked him, was he surprised the Blackhawks did not pursue him as a free agent last summer when it seemed like such an obvious fit? He addresses that situation, but first I asked him, who is he looking forward to meeting the most at his first Blackhawks convention?
5: Everybody, kind of, you know, meet all the new guys and uh, my new teammates and stuff. I'm um, looking forward to the weekend. It's, uh, you know, quite the production that goes on here, and it's uh, it's great to see. It keeps, uh, you know, it's some, it's the dog days of summer right now, right? And it keeps the fans engaged, and it's, uh, it, I think it's a really good event.
3: I saw when you walked in, did you introduce yourself to Adam Boquist? Was that the first time you two had met?
5: Yeah, yeah, he's... Uh, I've uh, never seen him play, but I've only read good things about his game, and um, you know he's obviously a, you know he's a high pick and he's a very talented player, and um, you know he's gonna he's gonna have a really good career in the NHL.
3: Well, I ask because when he you introduced yourself, I saw the interaction, and his eyes lit up almost like he was a little bit starstruck. I thought it was it was pretty funny. Trust
5: me, I'm not I'm not a star. <laughs> trust me, <laughs> but it's uh, you know he's he's got a very bright future and. Well, you joined a
3: team last that uh, last year had a lot of trouble keeping the puck out of the net. And um, before last season, that was sort of a problem, too. And I think a lot of fans and media sort of identified you as a guy the Hawks would target as a free agent. Were you sort of surprised when, when that call didn't come from them? Do you sort of keep an eye on when you're entering free agency? Do you say, like, okay, these are probably the teams that would be... Interested in my services? Did it surprise you a little bit that they didn't come asking in the first place?
5: Uh, you know, Stan alluded to it when in some of our first conversations that we've had, and um, you know they're in a tough cap situation at the time too, and he admitted that, and it, it is what it is. And um, you know, he said they've been trying to trade me for me for some time now, so it's uh, it's good to feel wanted. It's 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 going to be a fun season, I think. It's this team's competitive. I think this we can win. Um, you know, the, the moves that he's made over the summer and, you know, throughout the past season uh, seem like the right moves, good hockey moves, in my opinion. Um, you know, and at the same time, when you have a guy's putting up 100 points in a season, there's there's always a legitimate shot at winning more games than not, right? So um, I think this is a, it's, it, you know, we could be a sneaky good team. I know a lot of, of the hockey critics don't necessarily have the Blackhawks in the playoffs at this point in time, but, you know, I think we can surpri- surprise some people. Well, I want to ask you, as a veteran defenseman, Blackhawks
3: have Corey Crawford. They've had him for years. Now they signed Robin Leonard. How does it affect your mindset knowing that every night you're going to have an all-star goalie behind you? When you're a defenseman, does that allow you to sort of, I don't want to say loosen up or be a little less tight defensively, but having the confidence, does it allow you to sort of let go and play more
5: instinctively? I think so. Um, you never want to admit that, but you know you can almost feel a little more relaxed back there. Um, you know, when you got a couple brick walls between the pipes, it's uh, you know, it, it's definitely calming. Um, it's uh, you know, I, I think it's most important, important position. You know, they're, <clears throat> they're stopping more pucks and they're letting in. You know, your team's gonna, you know, you're gonna come out on top more often than not, I believe. And um, you know, like I said, Stans made some really good moves off moves this off season, and I and I think picking up Robin you know especially after the turnaround he's had and you know he seems very focused and determined and um you know top three you know arguably top three goalie maybe Vezina winner in some guys minds last year um that's a very key signing for for the Blackhawks well last year we saw you uh in Carolina uh the bunch of
3: jerks sort of emerge and it seems like that sort of um I don't know when that started kind of the team chemistry grows when you come into a team with this many veterans carolina is a young team this team's got three stanley cups a bunch of guys have been here for all of them how can you sort of inject not you personally but what can a team do to inject that sort of life and uh energy into a team that's this full of proven guys
5: um that's a tough question sometimes it's not necessarily on the ice it can be off the ice um you know, I like to think I'm a guy's guy. Uh, you know, good locker room guy. I don't know what my teammates, my past teammates, would say about me, but you know, that's how I, I view myself. And um, you know, just try and keep things light. You know, it's a, it's a long season, and um, you know, whether you win or you lose, ten nothing, the sun's still going to rise tomorrow, and you still got to enjoy this this life. And I've really learned over the years that it, it's going by way too quick, and um, it sucks. And I'm just trying to enjoy it as much as I can and I try and uh, bring that into the locker room as well and just make a make it a fun environment again um you know and it, and it seems to translate sometimes you, you have a little more fun away from the rink and, and at the rink and then it translates on the ice. All right
3: well I'd be remiss to my listeners if uh we're big fans of Tevo Terravine and we miss him deeply uh so if you talk to him let him know we're all thinking about him and we wish he'd come
5: back someday. Yeah hey you never know but he's uh He's a good player, good teammate, quiet guy, but um, you know he's uh, he's got the quite the personality. He's a good good teammate. So, well,
3: actually, I want a serious question about him because we do we do follow him from a distance. When he was here, uh, the Hawks acquired Kimo in for that 2015 Cup run, and at the end of the year, he sort of said, "You know, you need to be more committed. You need to be a guy who's." you know, hundred percent focused on hockey, not as much a criticism as, as advice. Did you sort of see that when he, and you I know it was only one year with him, yeah. but did you see that sort of a growth into a leader position for him at all?
5: Um, it's hard to say, like I wasn't there previous years, obviously, but, um, you know, you see him on the ice. He's obviously a pretty skilled player and, um, uh, smart. I think that's his number one asset is his, his brain on the ice. And, you know, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy, but he's always in the right position and seems to make the right plays. And, um, you know, you can't teach that kind of stuff, but, you know, hearing words like that coming from a young player, it's, uh, you know, maybe he's starting to realize that, you know, off the ice, you know, you got to maybe put in the extra rep here and there, and, um, you know, he's obviously learning, so it's uh, it's good to see that.
3: You didn't think I was really going to talk to a former Carolina Hurricane and not ask about our beloved Tevo Taravainen, did you? Of course I was going to. That was really the only reason— no, it's not true, but I, I had to bring it up, and he had a smile across his face when he was asked about Tevo. Uh, great young player, and uh, man, of all the people that have been cap casualties, he is the one I miss the most. I think most Hawks fans do as well. That's actually, uh, I've told you guys I'm writing a book, The 50 Men and Moments That uh, Made Up the Blackhawks. I just finished that chapter on cap casualties today, and man, revisiting some of that stuff is brutal. Go back and look at that 2010 look at what they lost after the 2010 Cup. I had forgotten how much it was. It's really unbelievable. As I was making my way through the media room at the Blackhawks convention, I was surprised to see Brandon Saad sort of sitting at a table by himself. Now, there were some higher profile players in there at the time. Jonathan Taves was speaking. Patrick Kane was speaking. So, Saad was kind of the odd man out. So, look, when you have the opportunity to go talk to a guy who's got that much history with the Blackhawks, you don't pass it up. Saad is not a guy who has a lot to say, uh, kind of lets his play on the ice show. He's a good guy, willing guy, happy to do interviews, but he's not going to give you a ton. So I had to dig a little deeper on him uh, throughout the interview. Uh, with uh, I asked him for some specifics. What what changed with Jeremy Colleton uh, specifically system-wise? What was difficult to learn for you guys? Uh, he does tend to speak in generalities, but uh glad i got to talk to him good guy and asked him how he felt seeing the summer of roster moves roll in did that make him more excited as the season approached
4: yeah i think it's very exciting especially uh the way we finished off the second half last year i think we we're confident to begin with and then uh, with the changes made i think it's it's all good things so i know we're all excited going into the year
3: well uh jeremy cowden and stan bowman talked at the end of last year and the beginning of this offseason, about needing to add some more guys, sort of your style, guys that play North and South games, physical games, guys that can succeed in the playoffs. You got Zach Smith and Andrew Shaw's back. Adding guys like that, how does that make you guys more competitive on a night to night basis?
4: I think it's good just to, to get good pros. You know, it's uh, to go, have guys come in, lead by example, play the right way. You see the teams that win, they can all play. They can play skill. They have skilled players, but at the same time, they can play that type of hockey. So, I, I think it's great for our team, great for the culture of the room, uh, and yeah, we're excited to have
3: them. Last season, when Jeremy came in, um, it's a tough start for you guys. Obviously, adjusting to a new system, all those things. What did you see once things started to improve? Sort of when the calendar year flipped to 2019, you guys were on almost a 100 point pace. What all came together for you guys at that moment?
4: I just think being more comfortable. You know, once you're more comfortable, you have that confidence and. Um, whether it took a while to learn the systems or get comfortable with his coaching style uh, It was new for a lot of guys, especially the guys that have been under the same coach for 10 years plus So uh, it's definitely a change, but when we seemed to get more comfortable We got that confidence and we played great as a team
3: With a team so full of veterans like you, Brent, Seabrook, Jonathan Taze, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, when a new coach comes in, especially replacing a legend like Q Did it take some time for guys to buy in? Did you guys have to be convinced sort of before the team totally bought into what Jeremy was teaching?
4: Yeah, I don't know so much just about buying in, but it's learning a whole new structure. You know, you play the same way for for a long time and you're used to that style of play and then it's tweaked a little bit and uh, I think everyone's confident in his ability, but just to learn him as a coach and learn what he wants out of you as a player. So that might have taken a little bit of an adjustment, but um, I think everyone was confident off the bat.
3: What was the, specifically, what was what were the big differences in the system change? What were the things you guys had to sort of adjust to the most?
4: Yeah, I think the, the the defensive zone had a few different structural things that that we had to adjust. Offensively, it wasn't too much. He, he kind of lets you play and, and gives you that confidence in yourself. But uh, I think probably defensively, it was it was a little bit of a change.
3: You guys excited to see Andrew Shaw back?
4: Yeah, I know I am. You know, it's uh, it's funny he's coming back, but it's it's a different team really. So um, I don't know how many guys know him or the, the select few that do. He's definitely a good guy to have.
3: Well, when you saw the moves made this offseason, obviously the, up, the defense upgraded with uh, Ole Mata, Calvin Dahan, and now Robin Leonard and Nett. Um, when you guys see those moves rolling in during the offseason, does it get you excited? Does it get you pumped to, to be at camp a little bit sooner maybe?
4: Yeah, definitely. I, I think uh... – it gets everyone excited, you know. Coming back into town, seeing the guys, everyone you talk to. I think it's you can see the excitement talking about our team and the and the additions we made. So, anytime you, you pick up pieces that are going to help you win, we're all competitive. We all want to win. So I think it's it's excitement from top to bottom.
3: What are you looking forward to most this weekend?
4: Uh, just interacting with the fans you know it's great that uh, the Blackhawks do this and you get to interact with the fans that give so much to us and support us so much and uh, it's it's nice to see the guys and see the fans and enjoy the weekend.
3: That of course Blackhawks winger Brandon Sod, interesting interview as far as Brandon Sod interviews go uh, the Colleton stuff stood out to me he said it was not really a matter of trusting him or having faith in him but just learning a new system on a fly especially after being in one that was the same thing for so long was difficult and they they said they have faith in him and i thought that was interesting he didn't have to say that there's ways to sort of dance around those comments Sad didn't do it and he said the problem was never really with collatin it was just difficult to have to learn a new system on the fly. This final interview with Hawks defenseman Connor Murphy is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com, the barbecue, the Mexican, the Cajun food, the bar food, whatever you're in the mood for, whatever you want to go and stuff your fat face with, Chuck's will help you out, man. They are the best. I love everything at Chuck's. And whatever mood I'm in, whatever mood I'm in food-wise, they've got it. They've got what I want. They've got what I'm craving. Uh, sometimes I just want some buffalo wings. Sometimes I want some great barbecue or just some barbecue nachos. Maybe it's just a burger. Maybe it's something really exotic like Chuck's Cochinita Pibil that he serves on Saturdays. Whatever I'm in the mood for, Chuck's is going to have it. Everyone you bring with you to Chuck's is going to find something they love any day of the week. The desserts, you got to try the Cobblers. They're absolutely amazing. I keep forgetting to tell you about the Cobblers. I won't make that mistake again. The Cobblers are where it's at. Make sure you save room. Make sure your whole table saves room for the Cobblers because I don't think one man could tackle it alone. It is quite a feat to doubt one of Chuck's Cobblers, but you will absolutely love it. Go to chuckscafe.com. Check out their specials. Check out their daily specials, their weekly, their monthly specials, and all the great events they have coming up. They've got trivia. They've got all sorts of things always going on at Chuck's. So, again, chuckscafe.com. Burbank and Darian already right, got to catch up with Blackhawks defenseman Connor Murphy who sort of rose uh, last year as one of the Hawks uh, top defensemen he drew the toughest matchups for a lot of the year I asked him about that first I asked him what is he looking forward to most now that he's at his third Blackhawks convention
0: meeting a couple of new guys is definitely looking most forward to it's uh uh unique to have a weekend where everyone comes back into town and um what are we in July and July and uh just to, to get to know the new guys and that way when camp starts, you're already kind of have gotten that small talk out of the way. And um, obviously just uh, it's always a reminder of how amazing the following is, um, the amount of fans that come and uh, the support they give us all year. And, and to have them show up in the summer and on a year or the last couple of years, not... Uh, playing up to standards, not making playoffs is uh, is amazing, and it gives us a boost and definitely a lot of motivation to finish the summer strong to start the season well, too.
3: Well, last year we saw you drawing a lot of the top defensive matchups, and obviously you probably take pride in that, but now with DeHaan here and Mata here, do you feel like that takes some of the pressure off you to have to defend the top lines all the time? And, and does that free you up to play a little more Aggressively offensively or anything like that or, or does nothing really change for you?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I don't think uh, much changes that much. It's uh, Something that a lot of times you like the the pressure and the responsibility of playing a big role and that allows you to, to have a lot of minutes and uh, Be able to get into your groove of the game um, and build confidence uh, as kind of your uh, games go along, but um, I think uh, with everyone just having their own unique little uh role that they'll bring to the table it'll be something that um things will fall into place once the games get started and um as a player you can only worry about what uh what your level of play is like and um you don't want to change things and um there's things you want to kind of bring out and maybe uh for me maybe maybe a little more puck play and jumping up uh hopefully be something i can do but um when the season starts we just hope everyone's playing their best to help win you and carl dahlstrom picked up some
3: quick chemistry last year um maybe you will not be paired with him this year what sort of things can you do on and off the ice to sort of gain chemistry with the guy if anything
0: yeah dolly and i have a great relationship uh it was he reminds me a lot of myself just in the way of uh stepping into the league just trying to to be uh, a hard worker and and be known as an honest good player um he just is a guy that's for as big as he is he skates well and um defends well and me and him kind of had more of that defensive mindset playing against uh certain lines and uh on whatever night it was so um, we would talk and we both uh, took pride in wanting to um, shut down other teams the best we could and uh, that's why I think it definitely builds a relationship anytime you can uh, be paired with a guy that you're on the same page with but um, the goal is to build that relationship with all your teammates that way uh, everyone has that common goal and when you're out there it's uh, there's no thinking it's just uh, playing and trusting each other. Uh, speaking of trust, just from outsider's
3: perspective, it seems like when Jeremy took over, it seemed like he had a lot of faith in you right away, uh-huh. and maybe with Q, it wasn't that way. Um, I think there was some pressure on you to replace his favorite guy, Nicholas Jalmerson. Did you feel a sort of boost in uh,
0: faith in your game when Jeremy uh, took took the reins? Um, maybe a little bit. It was also a timing of the season where um, the team was in a big slump, and um we had a couple injuries and guys uh, being shuffled around the lineup, so um, it gave me that opportunity right away as uh, as a chance to, to play in a, a good role right away that uh, um, since the team was in such a hard point, I think it was just a, any sort of a fresh face, a new look, would have been uh, nice to change things up. So I was fortunate to get that and and, uh, and be able to, to gain some uh, momentum in playing. And um, Yeah, I definitely feel like uh, we have a good good staff and uh, feel like everyone um, has faith and trust and, and is really confident and, and uh, excited with having a start to training camp and having the things that Jeremy is trying to implement have a whole camp to get those uh, in place and uh, kind of start um, the year how, how our best strides were later in the season. I asked a couple forwards about this, but as a defenseman, how difficult was it for you to
3: learn a new system on the fly? And, you know, once things started coming together, seemingly when the calendar year flipped, you guys got on a great pace. What do you think the biggest change was when you guys started to pick things up a little bit?
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it definitely took a few games. Remember, we, we might've hit like an eight game losing streak or something, uh, at that, that lowest, lowest part of the year, right, uh, earlier on, I don't know if that was November or December, but, um... It was uh, definitely different systems that you could tell. I remember still being injured and just seeing that guys were thinking a lot on the ice because they knew there was a different style of play or way of play. So uh, um, that was definitely expressed on how there was going to be that learning curve of... uh, of getting through that. And you could see once guys kind of settled in and, and uh, didn't have to think as much, they were able to just play off their instincts and fall back on uh, certain standards of the system. And uh, that's when things started to mesh well and we got uh, more, more wins and uh, you can see how it, we benefited from that.
3: That was Blackhawks defenseman Connor Murphy. Really interesting dude. Nice dude. I what I didn't play back for you was my conversation with him before the interview started. I said, Hey, you might remember me. I taught you last year sarcastically knowing he wouldn't remember me goes yeah I remember we were at this table that was last year when I tried to do the same thing and I realized that I had my headphones in so I can make sure it sounded okay but I did not realize that the internal mic on my headphones was recording your voices and the audio became unusable really great stuff but anyway Connor Murphy good dude I am uh, hoping great success for him just because he's a a really nice kid and uh, I I like you know he didn't quite go all in with the Quenville Colleton thing but you can tell that there was a little something there he said you know we sort of were in need of a change in need of a spark he talked about himself personally as well and I thought it was interesting to hear what he had to say uh, about how things got better for him here when the switch was made at head coach that is going to do it for this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast thanks so much for listening thank you to the Blackhawks for accommodating our interviews Thanks to Brandon Saad, Drake Kachula, Connor Murphy, and Calvin DeHaan for their time. As well, of course, we gotta thank our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com and of course our great friends at Rabid Brewing in Homewood. The time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland Legend. Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and you may have noticed our brand new music beds for way too long. I've been walking the line of playing licensed music on a podcast, and I said, you know, before Marilyn Manson sues me, I'm gonna go ahead and ask my buddy Greg to make some music beds for us. So those are courtesy of Greg Henkin. Go to Greg'sguitarlessons.com or follow him on Twitter, Greg's GTR lessons he is my guitar teacher he is a great guy and he will make you a better guitar player so we thank him for the madhouse podcast music beds uh he's great he's the best and thank you greg with that we're going to wrap things up for my partner james Naveau who's probably gone to bed by now i'm jay zawoski thanks for listening once again to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
2: Suicide loves silence. Break the silence. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Talking about thoughts of suicide may be a source of relief to the person at risk. Listen to them. Let them talk. And let them know you care and are concerned. Suicide is preventable. Learn how to discuss your concerns. Recognize it. Talk
4: about it. Act on it. Learn more at RecognizeTalkAct.org. A message from the Virginia Department of Health.